When I was in the seminary many years ago, I had a spiritual director who, following the advice of the ancient fathers of the church, told me, always keep death before you. And he would ask me to reflect on the 90th Psalm, which was used in our readings. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So teach us to count our days, that we may gain a wise heart. Some good exercises, he said, were to draw up a will, make your funeral plans, purchase a grave. And I've done those things. I even have my urn all set to go, although right now I'm using it as a cookie jar. So if you ever come to the rectory and offer you a cookie, you need to know where it comes from. You might as well get double duty out of it till you really need it. I even have my headstone ready. And every now and then I go and to check it out, and it's an odd sensation to stand on one's own grave and look at one's own headstone. But it is a potent reminder that my time in this world is very short. That my time is a gift. And while I'm here, I have work that I'm graced to do. And this has been strongly reinforced just a few days ago with the murder of an 84-year-old French priest, Father Jacques Hamel, in his small parish in Normandy. Islamic terrorists burst into his church while Father was offering a daily mass, and they slit his throat. It was a calculated move by radical Islam to serve notice that every Catholic parish and priest is a potential target. Now, some might think, oh, this is just way too morbid for a fine summer weekend. Some of you probably think, where's the next Catholic parish I can go to catch a mass? But I don't think it's morbid at all. What I find morbid is the perennial adolescent attitude of those who just want to float through life under the happy illusion that there's always a tomorrow. No one is guaranteed a tomorrow. Yesterday is gone, swallowed by a past that can never be reclaimed. Tomorrow doesn't yet exist. This moment, and only this moment, is what we have. And it is what we do with this moment. And every moment we may be blessed with that defines the kind of person one chooses to be. When the Lord was asked to settle a family dispute about an inheritance, he did two things. First, he refused. He would not waste his time with such things. Second, he explained his refusal by giving a warning. Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Time is too short, too precious to waste about arguing about stuff. I have witnessed families 
destroy themselves over disputes about money, property, inheritances. I've seen people go to war over a stick of furniture that when they die will most likely go into a garage sale. And the sick humor of it is that the object so viciously fought over that relationships were destroyed over is still around, while those who sinfully squabbled over it are rotting in their graves while their souls are having to answer for the precious time they've wasted. Some years ago, when my sister called to tell me that our mother died, she raised the issue of our mom's money and many possessions. And I said, Chris, you took care of mom. It's all yours. I don't want a thing. Just have the attorney send me a fax that I am disinheriting myself, and I'll sign it. Well, come to think about it, I don't think I had put the phone down before the fax came in. <laughs> but I signed it. It was the best thing I could have done. Money, property, possessions are neither good nor bad in themselves. It's how we use them. Gifts that enhance our gratitude to God or temptations to succumb to that perverse idea, I deserve those things, which in turn generates greed and irrational craving for more stuff, no matter what the cost. I have presided now over hundreds of funerals. Not once have I seen the U-Haul follow the hearse to the grave. Jesus then told a story of a rich man building new barns to store his harvest and his possessions. The man said to himself something we have been properly or would like to be tempted with. You have so many good things. Stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. Now, there can certainly be legitimate pride in what one has accomplished. Perhaps it was creating one's dream home, or setting money aside for retirement, or being able to set up a trust fund for your children's education, or reaping the rewards of shrewd investments. And it is certainly prudent to be thrifty, and save. The subtle danger to wealth, however, whatever form it takes, is that under the influence of greed, we can cease to be in control of our wealth, and our wealth gains control over us. It would be a mistake to think that the materially poor are immune from the danger of greed. The poor can be very wealthy in envy and resentment. The poor can be rich in arrogance, insisting they have a right to what others have, even though they may have chosen not to work as hard to obtain it. The poor can be rich in denial, refusing to see that many chose not to use the opportunities that were available to them. I realize it is not politically correct to say such things, but it's time to pull ourselves out of the quicksand of political correctness before it destroys us. 
In the second reading from St. Paul to the Colossians, the apostle calls greed idolatry, which is the sin of giving to a created thing the devotion, the attention, the reverence that should be given only to God. Greed progressively dehumanizes us and we in turn progressively dehumanize others in the pursuit of getting more stuff. In the end, the gift of time had been wasted. Stuff wins and the human soul loses, possibly for eternity. Time and wealth, they are gifts, like all gifts. If we do not recognize and use them as such, they can be terribly, tragically misused. 